I'm Erica. And I'm Meg. And welcome to The The Support Support Report. I am so excited to be here today. I am shaking like a leaf. (laughs) You really are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have the wonderful. Uh, The fabulous. The fantastic. The only guest we've ever had with his own Wikipedia page. Yes. Fire Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, oh, Khalith O'Wright, is here with us in our studio. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm good. I I'm can't good. believe you came. <laughs> Why not? You guys gave me the invite at AFA, and uh, I was pretty excited to, to come by. This is so exciting. Honestly, we've talked about nothing since... Uh, for yes. three weeks. For nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've just been like, oh my gosh, yeah. he said yes. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh so it's either I like you guys or I like podcasts, one or the other, yeah. maybe both. <laughs> I'm going to go with number one. Well, and this is this this was home base for you for a while. So is it like mm-hmm. you get a little reunion? Um, It was, it wasn't, ne- so I wasn't ever stationed here, but I lived here when I was the chief master in the Air Force. And so... Um, and I haven't been back on the base maybe once or twice since I retired. So it was kind of cool coming back. In. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite base that you've ever been to? Ooh, my favorite base, I believe, is uh, was Okinawa, Japan. So Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, no Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah. It That's was nice. Hawaii man. of Japan, right? The whole, like Hawaii of Japan. Yeah. It was very nice. <laughs> you know, Japanese people and culture is it's really amazing. The weather was always nice. So, yeah. That's See, where we're trying to go next. Oh, good. You yeah. really? Yeah. You yeah. got Kadena and we got Misawa. So we were a two Ooh. opposite spectrums of the weather. <laughs> Ooh. I hate cold weather. <laughs> but I've been to Misawa. I've, I've never been stationed there, but I've been there. Yeah. Uh, skiing down a hill and then seeing a beach was definitely, <laughs> it's weird. It's a little, it's a special place, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to start the podcast like we start every podcast. Okay. What brought you joy this week? <clears throat> Well, a couple of things brought me joy this week. I would say the first one was I was out of town over the weekend. I went to Dallas, Fort Worth for uh, the North Texas uh, military ball. Um, huge supporter of, you know, Air Force Aid Society and uh, other relief societies. And when I got back, uh, I got to see my two little dogs. So I have two uh, little Yorkies. Oh, my gosh, no way. German bred Yorkies. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it had been a couple of weeks since I'd seen them, so it was good. To, and names? Uh, Cookie. Uh-huh. Uh, Cookie is black and white, like cookies and cream. And Chewy, who is brown and white, like Chewbacca. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah, I'll send you guys a picture. Oh, yes, you have please. to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, we do have yes. a behind the scenes. And the other thing that brought me joy this week was I got to actually see my parents who live in Waldorf. That's where I was uh, oh, okay. yesterday. And I uh, hadn't seen them in a yeah, same thing in a couple of weeks. So it was always good to catch up and see how they're doing and get a little inspiration. They're happy uh, and healthy. For my pops. Happy and healthy. Oh, yeah. good. Everybody's good to good. hear. We like to hear that. Yes. All right, so you said nothing was off the table today. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're jumping right in, Meg. I'm jumping You're right jumping in. You're jumping right in. So we did pull everyone in our, um, well, basically everyone we've encountered for the next, for the last uh, three weeks. Three weeks. Um, we went to Starbucks and we were like, hey, she's right, coming on our podcast <laughs> next week. And they were like, oh, okay. Yeah. I literally told the girl at the, at the cell phone store at the VX, <laughs> I was like, guess what? I mean, she's about maybe 16. I was yeah. like, have you ever? You know Chief Wright, right? <laughs> She's like, no. And I was like, Google him. He's <laughs> so yeah. we pulled everyone and the cell phone store lady. <laughs> but the biggest, I know you know what the biggest question everyone asks is, how do you feel about your nickname? Enlisted Jesus. Nickname? You, oh, you didn't know? 
What? I'm just joking. Oh, I do that. God, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, look, look. When people ask me in person, I do that, and they like, "Oh my god, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my uh, here, how do I feel about the, the enlisted Jesus and the memes? Uh, I'm very, very humbled that <clears throat> you know, airmen and and people, you know, saw me and the, and my team in that positive light and would think of us in in you know. Uh, think highly enough of us to make that kind of comparison, you know, based on the stuff that we did for airmen and their and their families. A couple of things. One, I made sure that me or my team, we never promoted it ourselves. So, you know, I would obviously never walk around and, and call myself that or allow my team to post anything mm-hmm. of, of that nature. Um, and I was always aware that it could potentially and probably was offensive to some people from a religious standpoint. So I just always wanted to kind of remain aware of of that. And then I would say the third thing is I was very careful not to to ask airmen or tell airmen, hey, stop doing that, stop saying it, stop posting. Because mm-hmm. uh, they would have just did more, right? They would yep. just <laughs> either outrightly or went underground and said, okay, we'll show you and, and mm-hmm. did more. But, you know, it's kind of funny. The memes got better over, over the, <laughs> the, we the years. We went on a deep dive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, 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 you know, at first it was kind of like, a little amateurish, right? Kinda, you know, my hands were still white and, <laughs> and uh, you know, the head was a little crooked and sideways. And then after a while, I was like, man, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, we have some creative folks in there. Yeah, we really do. Yeah. And then, um, you know, T-shirts and coins and patches and all that good stuff started. Mm-hmm. We uh, didn't find appearance. those. We did not find those. Wow, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. But all, all in all, I would say it was very, very humbling. Um, and I just used to always think it could be worse. I could be an enlisted devil, right? <laughs> <laughs> Never. You're too nice. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, no, but you actually, I mean, you were a huge advocate of uh, not only the force as a whole, but as the enlisted force. Um, when we, we, so we actually ran into you at the uh, Air Force Association mm-hmm. conference. And um, thankfully, Erica... Okay, she knew who you I were. I knew who you were. From Air Force Aid Society. Yes. Like, oh, he's the one that sends me all the emails about how to, all the new program changes. Uh-huh. But she didn't know who, who you were. <laughs> well, my husband's Navy in my defense. And, yes. Yeah. And this okay. is my first. And she's young. But you're so sweet. I want to take that home with me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, but so that's why, I don't know if you noticed, but she was chatting away with you like nothing. And I was standing behind her just eyes wide open, <laughs> shaking, yeah. uh, and I didn't. I don't think I said two words to you. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking shop. Yes. Yeah, so after she asked you, and you were like, "Yeah, here's my card," and she walked away, and immediately I was like on her, like Google him, Google him, <laughs> and she did, and she was like, "Thank God I didn't know who he was. I would have never asked." <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Sorry, that's I threw her under. Well, I'm, I'm glad you guys did. I'm glad you guys did, and. <clears throat> Even when I was in the Air Force, you know, it was a goal of mine to to come across as just a person, as a guy that you could just talk to and mm-hmm. ask a question or ask to be on a podcast or ask to play a game of basketball or, or whatever. So that's something I, I, I try to take pride in is just being as normal as possible or as normal as can be expected, yeah. you yeah. know, when you're in a, in a senior position, I guess. Or ask to get tased. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but after we got back from the conference, we told Master Sergeant Apoku, um, who you met this morning, but um, what happened. And he, we got taken to school yes. about everything you have done yep. for the forces. He as knows a whole. it all. Oh wow! Yes, yeah. he was like he is, you know, like one of my favorite chiefs. Uh, he, he every he told us every program that we work on are, inv- are involved mm-hmm. in. You've had. And your team on. have had had touched, and okay. uh, we looked it up. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to pop in and see him on my way out. You yeah. have to. Yeah. Oh my goodness! But you really have made such a difference for so many people, and so many people look up to you. I yeah. mean, as a, a mentor and a leader, that was. I, I we are humbled that you were here. Yes, truly humbled. I, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Oh my goodness. Uh, and I told you we were going to fangirl, so that's, yes. that'll, that's the end of <laughs> you it. You were well warned. Right. Um, so just speaking of all those resources that you impacted, <clears throat> what was a resource that you wish you had known or taken advantage of when you first started your Air Force Air Force career? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ironically, I wish I would have taken advantage of Air Force Aid Society, yeah. which is a resource now that I'm kind of responsible for. Mm-hmm. Because there were several times in my career as a young airman that I made bad choices uh, or circumstances, you know, required me to need money. And I never went to Air Force A Society. Some, some, some of it was because I didn't know about it. There were probably other times when I was too embarrassed uh, to, to ask. And so I always went to the payday lender outside the gate and, and got myself, in some cases, in even more trouble. So I wish I would have known more and taken advantage of Air Force Aid Society. And we didn't have airmen and family readiness centers, or I think you guys refer to yourself as mm-hmm. a military family yeah. readiness center. We didn't. We had them, but not in the context, I think, as what you have now. And so all the resources and the financial counseling and, the, and uh, you know, all the great things that you do here at the readiness center, you know, I wish I would have taken better advantage of some of those resources when I was a, a young kid instead of running the streets, playing basketball, drinking, chasing girls, and <laughs> cutting up, coming to work late. You cut it up? <laughs> <laughs> I was cutting up, yeah. I definitely think that Air Force Aid feels that under your leadership <coughs> just because of all of the new programs that are answering the needs of the community. Yeah, it's so like you, you guys had a direct phone line to what yeah. people need and what the requests we hear all the time, too. We had just been talking mm-hmm. about uh, Kona's pet travel and how expensive that yep. was. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden it rolled out like the yeah. next week and we were like, oh, are we tapped? I, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know. I think I learned this a long time ago. I don't think I was always good at it, but, you know, leadership is really not that hard. You know, a a big part of it is, you know, minus the the burdens of leadership and the challenges, which my my book is going to be about. Um, But We're circling back to that. Yes. We can circle back to that, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it really, to me, is as simple as listen to the people, listen to the clients or constituents or, or whomever, and they'll guide you in what you need to do and what what decisions you you need to make and so I did it when I was in the Air Force I continue to do it now just listen to the people and and find ways to connect to them and and get their true voice you know the old and I I caught a lot of you know crap for this I I think uh, when I was in and the old method of hey let's ask the leaders what their people need Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't always work right and I mean I wasn't always in a leadership position and there's probably plenty of times when 
I don't think the people who who were my leaders knew exactly what I wanted or needed, or I was afraid to tell them. Mm -hmm. And so social media and all the other avenues where we can ask people directly and get direct feedback has just been amazing in helping us shape, you know, what we do, what decisions we make, what programs we implement. Yeah, I, uh, we your page and now Chief Bass's page is mm -hmm. an amazing wealth of ideas from directly straight from Airmen, which I always yeah. find you know, we're constantly reading it because we want to know what mm -hmm. we can do better here at the center. Yeah. And you're right. I think airmen a lot of times are afraid to share those things with us. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, let me give you some, uh, some advice maybe for listeners, leaders. When it comes to getting feedback, especially, you know, it was when it was my page and now that it's Chief Bass's page, you, you have to immediately learn to look past the how they say it. Yes. Yes, sir. Right. Yes. And get to, but is there validity in what they're saying? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, airmen, young people, sometimes they say things and my, you know, even me, my initial thought was like, who the hell do you think you're talking to? Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, could you be a little more polite when you, but, you know, I would very, very quickly get beyond how it was said, you know, what, what language. And, you know, now we would go back and say, hey, in the future, you know, you should be more respectful, but we didn't allow that to get in the way of, Hey, here's, this is like a really good idea, even though they call me a a-hole or whatever <laughs> in the process yeah. um, at the end of the day is a good idea. And I think as a leader, you have to get beyond, you know, the, how they say it and, and what, what means they use, because some people will say, this is not the forum to be bringing up ideas. You should use this formal thing, which, mm, yeah, you know, it's still good and idea. just kind of get to what's, What's the meat and how valid is it? And okay, it's a great idea. Let's let's roll with it. Yeah, I yeah. love that. It's amazing. Okay. So we talked about what you wish you had known when you were first airman or first airman. Um, what advice would you have for someone brand new um, coming right in? Yeah, I think the advice that I would have for you know young people, service members, or just young people in general who are starting off their careers in or out of the military would be be dreamers, right? Dream big. Uh, you ha you do have to focus small, right? So you can't graduate from high school and become the president the next day or the next year. Um, but I think there's some, some real value in being a dreamer and having, you know, high aspirations and believing that you can become whatever it is that you, that you want to become. Um, because I think it 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 uh, kind of equates to, you know, I've started believing in this whole manifestation thing, right? That mm -hmm. if I say it enough, if I believe it enough, if I, you know, put that North Star or if I create my vision board, that I have a greater chance of becoming whatever that, that thing is. And and so, you know, I just tell young people, man, dream dream big, uh, focus small, right? You got you to take care of the small things today. But, you know, the other reason that I think that's important is <clears> – <throat> There were several times, you know, I decided early after I kind of, um, I was still acting up some, but after I kind of got my life together, that I wanted to be a chief. And along the way, I, I hit several road bumps um, and setbacks, most mostly self-induced. But what kept me going and kept me focused was this idea that because I had convinced myself, but yeah, man, you said you were going to be a chief, so you got to mm -hmm. get back up. You can't quit now. You got to. And not only that, because I had told several other people you know, <laughs> that I was going to be a chief, they all said, well, you can't quit now, dude. You said you was going to be this, so 
you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself and let's get back at it. It sounds so. like you surrounded yourself with some really good people. Yeah, yeah, yes. I did. Yeah. yeah. We did too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you just spoke to me directly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so we know you recently went through the transition assistance program, mm-hmm. and we just want to know what your experience was. So my experience with uh, transition assistance was very, very smooth. It was easy. It was, um, and I know this is not the case for everybody, so I don't want to, you know, pretend like transitioning is easy because I had a conversation with some friends of mine that had a real challenge with transitioning, just going from 100 miles an hour and being these really important figures to, like, now just kind of existing in the ether, I guess. But for me, I'll tell you what really helped me with transition was the pandemic. Because I was I was traveling about 290 days a year. I was on the road all the time. Wow. And then the pandemic hit. I went home. Mm-hmm. I went home. I started doing podcasts from home. I started taking meetings. I got very, very familiar with Zoom and Teams and, <laughs> and whatnot. But I wasn't traveling. I didn't have as much stress. And for my so for my last, <clears throat> really, I think six months, uh, I worked remotely. I, I, I went on maybe three or four trips. But the pandemic just caused me to slow down which I probably wouldn't have if I if I would have if it wasn't for the pandemic I probably would have traveled right up until the day I retired and and uh and so it just made transition very easy I went to executive the executive tap program here on on Andrews and and got a lot of good information I was fortunate to four or five months maybe before I retired um I got hired to be the the Air Force Aid Society uh, CEO. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of concerns about a job or, or finances or anything. And so for me, it was it was a relatively easy uh, transition. And, and I went, you know, uh, I went so hard my last really four to five years. I was like, I am ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I need That's to sit hear. down. And uh, I didn't miss the traveling. I didn't miss, I really didn't miss anything. Um, not even the, <clears throat> you know, some people say they missed the camaraderie and whatnot. And I didn't miss that because the folks that I were, I was friends with, I'm still friends with, and we still spend time, spend time together and, and whatnot. But um, uh, I enjoyed it, but man, I was glad it was over. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we hear. Once you're ready, you're ready. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah but there's also, you're right, a lot of anxiety. Um, fear of the unknown too. Mm-hmm. something you, you know we've seen a lot of people who've been in 30 years that's all they've ever known and um so getting out can be you know huge uh yeah, yeah an anxious you know ball so we try every yep. time i say no well, once you get out once you go through tap you're gonna be so much more confident and you're gonna be swatting off those job offers <laughs> <laughs> that's our hope yeah you know i don't know i i think it's it's hard um to erase 20 or 30 years of conditioning in a week, right? True. Even though TAP, I think, does a good job of helping you think about what transition looked like, helping you think about what working in the civilian or corporate world. There's a great majority of us who kind of default back to, you know, either a military-style organization or Mm -hmm. back into the military as a civilian, you know, or a contractor, just because it's so comfortable. Yes. You know, and it's it's all we've known, and it's 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 easy, and we know the we know what to expect. We know the pay. We know how it works. Um, You know, again, I was a little bit different, Mm -hmm. and and some of it was because I started 
<laughs> I, so I went to TAP a long time ago. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why. Yeah. I was stationed in Korea, and t- it had to be 2007. So I only had about 17 years in. And I'd gotten myself in a little bit of trouble. I was a senior master sergeant. And so I got a bad EPR and all this other stuff. And I was mad at the world. You know, I was I should have been mad at myself because it was all my fault. But I was mad at the world, the Air Force and all this other stuff. So I went to TAPS. Mm-hmm. I had I went I was in Korea. I went downtown, got me a little suit made. It was all nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I went to TAPS, right? And so I got a resume, and I was I, I don't know where I was going. I only had 17 years, and I I couldn't really go anywhere. But I was just you know so upset. And at that moment, I started thinking about what might life look like on the on the outside and I started applying for jobs and I started applying to be a teacher and 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 I kept a resume f- from that time so from my 17 year mark until almost 32 years you know I had this kind of resume that I was constantly updating and <clears throat> and um and so I think starting because I started thinking about transition so early in my career, I, you know, clearly I didn't, I didn't go anywhere. It, that was another thing that made it easier, mm-hmm. just the idea of doing something um, different. And frankly, you know, uh, you know, you said nothing was off limits and we could be honest with each other. I wasn't that all happy with how the government or the military works, mm-hmm. right? And so it was good to get out and, and, uh, and have a little bit more freedom in making decisions and creating programs and making things happen without taking for you know government takes forever man mm-hmm. it's like it takes a long time to get stuff done yeah it really but, does uh, <laughs> yeah at air force aid society man we move quick yes you like, do we got a lot of flexibility <laughs> we just not 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 careless or reckless no. but we we we're very flexible and we can and i love it yeah mm-hmm. it's almost dangerous <laughs> <laughs> and you continue to make a difference too yeah. which is just fantastic you do but sir you would have made a great teacher Oh, you would Yeah, I still love teaching. Yeah. You yeah. still did, can, yes. I did a little bit of teaching. Well, <laughs> yeah. well you're schooling us right now, so <laughs> 100%. Now, uh, you know, speaking of you going into the workforce after your military career, did anything shock you about civilian culture? No. <clears throat> um, I, I, well, I guess I was shocked at how easy it is to get stuff done <laughs> just yes. because, you know, for the last 32 years I was kind of grinding in the Air Force and like, man, I couldn't believe things take this much and and this many people have to sign off and things get lost so easily and there's a policy for this and it's like, it makes sense, so why don't we just change? It's like, nope, you gotta ask A, B, C, D, and F. And I think in the civilian culture, it's just, hey, this doesn't make sense. Okay, let's stop doing it. All right, when? Now. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if it was shocking, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we, um, we, I've worked in other government positions before, and usually the, the go-to is um, no. It, you know, it's too hard. This is not how we've always done it. And why I love it working here is our leadership, especially our flight chief, is always how do we get to yes? Mm-hmm. And that is such that was such a shift in mindset. Agreed. When I started here that um, I was like, oh, this is what, like, a this is what it's like to work in a non-toxic I environment. <laughs> I was civilian before here, and mm-hmm. I felt like that when I got here. I was like, okay, I'm home. You can't get rid of me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that that speaks to culture, right? It sounds like you guys have a great culture, and you know, I learned from Jim Knight, who's, who's like the culture guru. He, you know, he did a lot of work for Hard Rock Cafe. That that culture is really just 
kind of emblematic of the people, right? There's not this culture thing that's floating around in the areas. Mm-hmm. If you got a great leader, if you got great people, and you got great culture, and as people come and go, the culture shifts a little bit. And and if you get in a leader who's the opposite, right? Yes. Who's more toxic, then yeah. the culture will change pretty. Yeah. pretty quickly so it sounds like you guys have a great culture and i'm, I'm happy for you yeah. i like it yeah. we do we're never leaving. i can tell never. that by how how you know some of it i think is probably natural but you guys are pretty giddy so i'm assuming <laughs> that you like coming to work and you got a great work environment we really <laughs> do <laughs> well, we have a lot of fun here yes yeah probably too much fun a little bit maybe yeah. no such thing <laughs> um so we talked about this a little bit um <clears throat> Your entire career, 32 years? Almost 32, yeah. Almost 30. Uh, you've been a champion of the air, of air, all airmen, especially the enlisted force. Um, and now you're CEO with the Air Force Aid Society. You're advocating for all these new community programs. Um, tell us everything. Ooh, well, maybe I'll start with just the idea of what we talked about earlier is, you know, we kind of went on a listening campaign. And... Um, we didn't just dream up, you know, hey, well, I think we should do this. Well, I think we mm-hmm. should do that. Because, you know, we're all, all all old and we haven't been airmen. <laughs> you know, not everybody's even in at Air Force Aid Society served in the military. And mm-hmm. those of us who did, it was a long time ago, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we really just kind of went on a listening campaign and, and asked the force and asked the readiness centers and asked airmen and their families, tell us, you know, what things we should be supporting. Um, we were We were – as an organization, relatively rigid, to be honest. Mm. Um, and sometimes you get that when most of the leadership is prior, prior military. And, and so I kind of demilitarized our organization and, and, uh, we would kind of default to no on most things. And, um, but yeah, so we started asking and people were saying, and I knew about the pet transportation thing because I tried to fix it when I was in the mm-hmm. Air Force to no avail, obviously. And so that was, you know, somebody recommended that, hey, maybe this is something that we take on. We started asking Chief Bass. We did a little bit of research. We found out how much it might cost and boom, you know, there you go. Um, some of the stuff that we've been doing with special needs, the grant that we, we now provide for um, families with special needs children, I, I just think it makes sense. And frankly, we stole it from the Navy or, or the Army. It's kind of how they run their special needs program. We're all about stealing ideas. Yes. Good ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, we looked at some of the other things like we know how challenging it is sometimes. You know, I remember being a wing command chief at a base like Andrews, you know, in at McConnell Air Force Base. And I remember having to push airmen out of, out of the dorms much earlier than mm-hmm. they needed to be or sometimes we wanted to, but we just had so many young service members coming 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 into the base. <clears throat> and so being able to provide a grant for them to transition and, and pay, you know, utilities and mm-hmm. most young Airmen probably have to pay some type of deposit and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And so, like like I, like I said, you know, we just listen to what the people were saying mm-hmm. and ask ourselves, you know, why can't we do it? <clears throat> and the cranial and helmets. Cranial yes, helmets. You know, we were favorite. already paying for cranial helmets, but we were asking, it was a loan. We were asking them to pay us back. And I thought, huh? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. Of all the things? Like, no. And so we just converted all those you know, automatically to, to grants. The one, you know, one of the biggest things, things I'm most excited about is, you know, prior to early May, you could only receive our services if you were active duty or you were on orders. Mm-hmm. 
And again, we started looking at it, and I think the scenario that kept popping in my head is, you know, what if I'm a reservist or a guardsman I'm deployed to Afghanistan or Iraq for a year? I get home, I'm no longer on orders, and then something happens, and I need Air Force aid. Like, wouldn't it be a shame that we have to tell them no because, well, you're not currently on on orders? And and there's probably lots of other situations. And so, same thing, right? We did the research. All right, how many guardsmen and reservists are out there that, you know, if we had to, and we did both ends, right? If we had to not support any of them, like nothing would change because we don't know. <laughs> if we had to support all of them, how much would it cost? <clears throat> but, you know, our prediction was about six to seven percent of guardsmen and reservists would likely come to us for help because that's about how many active duty service members come to us for help mm -hmm. and how much would that cost and we thought yeah we can do that and, I do and so that. yeah and then too, you know <coughs> really really kind of we thought I, I thought about or, and as a team we thought like the air force says hey we're all one team but we kind of not when it comes to some things and so we wanted to fix that and and uh, people were scared. They thought the whole Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve was going to show up at here at Andrews and be like, I need money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> but it did it open the door for so many people to mm -hmm. help them. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they've been using it, too. So that's that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're both caseworkers for Air, Air Force aid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we know. And it's it's a great thing when you can... I Say think, yes. I think I cried yeah. my first case when I actually helped someone who I knew was desperately in need. And I just, I was imagining how mm -hmm. the stress and anxiety that this, that they were experiencing and had been experiencing. Because we've all been there where mm -hmm. we can't pay a bill or mm -hmm. we got in over our heads. And I just thought, oh my, I know she's not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And when I was able to say yes, it was like, I mean, I didn't say yes. Air Force 8 said <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, I was just like, oh. But to them, you said yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and to them, you know, they don't necessarily know that you don't work for, for us, mm -hmm. right? They just think, hey, this is the person who helped me, you know, get my loan or grant. And, you know, she's a representative of Air Force Aid Society. And mm -hmm. that's great. I wish we could pay you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what else I love when they come in for Air Force Aid and then they find out all the other resources yes. and we can give them so much assistance like just all around yeah there was that. a little simple fix for mm -hmm. one of my cases which was um, she had not de de deferred her student loans and so mm -hmm. her but she was still making those payments on her student loans mm -hmm. and she spent one session with our personal financial counselor and mm -hmm. he was like hey you could save six hundred dollars a month right now and then that bill that you're really concerned about and that air that air force aid loan that we just gave you you can have that paid off in a few months and her mind was blown it was yeah. it was an awesome awesome way prevention versus triage yeah. is well let me say this you guys are a godsend you know so emergency assistance caseworkers because, again, I don't think most people know that you don't work for us. You work, you know, for the readiness center. And you do lots of other things, right? You, you have <laughs> yes. lots of other jobs. But, you know, we really couldn't do what we do without you guys. And I think it's, it's, it's I'm saddened a bit that the Air Force is kind of forcing us to change, you know, how, how we do business. I'm still a little unclear about what that exactly that will will look like and you know we'll try to take advantage of technology you know we're getting a whole new IT system that'll yeah. make it a little easier and be able to create a client portal and and mm -hmm. make it easier for airmen to to request money and us to get it back to them through Zelle and PayPal and Cash App and some other things but I'm, but I am a little saddened that that we won't have 
the full support of the caseworkers in the readiness center. You still like, have our support. I was about to say, we're already <laughs> trying to implement ways where we can help and assist and proactively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. But really and when I say full support, I don't mean that, you know, you're half in, but yeah. kind of yeah. the, yeah, the, the Air Force legal yes. <laughs> thingamajigam yes. is yeah, right? <laughs> causing us to change, you know, exactly what you can do for us from a legal standpoint. I'm going to have to call you weekly just to check in and just be like, hey, you know, Steven, I talk to Steven a lot. Hey, Steven, how are you? You know, yeah. how's everything going? Steven's a hoot, man. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Shout out to Steven. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, so what else is new with Air Force State? Is there any new things uh, on yeah, the horizon? Yeah, works. Yes. Give us uh, the inside scoop. Well... You know, we're always, uh, you guys mentioned earlier about innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have an innovation council that we we started and we're just trying to get ideas from the staff and from the field on how we can get better. Was that the Zelle payments? Is that how that came about? <coughs> yeah, that was one of the uh, things. Zelle uh, payments. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss to <laughs> yeah. Zelle payments. Yeah. Oh, my. It's so much easier. It. They don't have to, especially in the NCR, a lot of them are coming to us who live far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we can say, hey, you don't even have to come in. Yep. Like, here I you love go. It. Send, me your, send me your note yep. and uh, yeah. give and, me your phone number. And like I mentioned earlier, we started, uh, we have a new, entirely new IT infrastructure. And that's being being laid in. And uh, we just finished phase one. It's three phases. So we'll be start phase two this month. And then really probably around the spring of 22, we'll have, and we started in maybe April, right? Mm-hmm. So within one year, we'll have wow. a completely new IT infrastructure. And we won't do programs as you know them cap and eagle and all that stuff mm-hmm. is like yeah. <laughs> oh my god i can't wait until you're out of here right <laughs> um and so you know i think having this especially the client portal i'm most excited about that airmen can go in they can apply they can see the status of their oh, their loan so cool. they can communicate we can communicate with with them uh-huh. uh, you know I, I just always thought i just tell the team when i first started i'm like you know i can buy a house online i can buy a car online i can you know, do just about anything really in the world sure. uh, without having to, you know, go sit down and talk to somebody or receive a check. You know, I, I don't know if you guys get excited about checks, but I couldn't. We do it. not get excited. Well, we have a terrible printer here. <laughs> I didn't oh, want to say that, do. but it's every time we are, we have to print a check. We, we used to, to have to run around the office and say, nobody print, nobody, nobody print. print. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have to say a prayer to the tech gods yes. to make sure that we put it in the correct way. <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, the, it's just another roadblock for the yeah. member who needs that assist who has <coughs> to now come into the office mm-hmm. to pick up the check. And then wait for the check to clear. Yep. Now it's instant there and they can pay those bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we've been focusing on innovation and then we've also been focusing on, focusing on diversity, equity and inclusion and making sure that, um, you know, the people who benefit from our programs uh, is a diverse, is a diverse group. And um particularly in the scholarship realm. We really haven't been tracking, so now we're tracking. We've been working with some of the um, kind of tier one schools Mm -hmm. and with some of the historically black colleges and universities to make sure that, um, you know, (coughs) our scholarships are are spread across, you know, kind of all races and gender and and whatnot. Um, And even, you know, in our next round of as we – look at the banks and other financial institutions that support us you know we'll be looking for minority owned uh, banks and stuff like that so we're pretty serious about DE&I and innovation and it's so important lots of, yeah lots of great things happening that's yeah that's fantastic. so exciting I would have never thought about supporting the banks the other from the other side yeah that's amazing yeah, yeah. 
Oh. Okay. Woo. <laughs> I'm verklempt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and this is kind of a long-reaching question, but you've been in for 32 years. You've seen a lot of change in the Air Force. What do you see in the immediate future for the Air Force? It's not a long-reaching question, but this will probably be a maybe a surprising answer. I don't know, and I don't really care that much, to be honest, mm -hmm. right? And I don't say that to be pejorative, but I, I think <clears throat> it was really important to me when I transitioned that I had my time, mm -hmm. and I did the best that I could, and I don't ever want to be in a position to predict or judge or whatever, unless I'm back working for the Air Force. And, and even though I support the Air Force, I'm, I'm not, right? And so I don't pay much attention to what's happening in the Air Force programs and policies and advancements. And, you know, some of it I just I happen to see because I'm on social media. But I try to stay out of Chief Bass's and General Brown's business as much as I, mm -hmm. <laughs> as much as I can. It always irked me um, when, when I was in to see old retired chiefs commenting about every daggone thing in the world and not being able to get out of their era, right? And not having a full understanding of the things that we were doing. And I just made myself a promise that that won't ever be me. You won't ever see Khalith on there. Oh yeah, back in my day we used to and what their voice should be doing is like, yeah. So so I really don't know. Just because, you know, again I, I purposely try um to distance myself uh, and again, I just like in life, you don't really get do overs, right? You mm -hmm. don't, you know, I try to live with no regrets. And so, you know, I felt like I and my team, we did the best that we could. And now Joe has it. And I'm like, yeah. like what? Ponytail? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. And I well, don't care, right? <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, too, though, like um, you were instrumental in the new PT testing mm -hmm. um, when it was getting it off the ground. And I see, a, you're right, I see a lot of. Back in my day, we had stand, and it's uh, that decreases the our way to innovate as a as a whole force. It, that doesn't it's not helpful. It's not helpful at all, right? <clears throat> now, there's nothing wrong with you know history has a place and experience has a place, and sometimes it's good. Uh, but frankly, you know, when I was making changes to some of the programs and policies, you know, I did the due diligence and I went all the way back to 1947 and looked at where we began. And mostly it was not helpful, right? It, you know, uh, again, I, I don't want to discount history and experience and where we came from, but but sometimes it's just more important to look forward and not and not look back. Mm -hmm. um, there are times when you can look back and say, okay, yeah, I can see why we never did it, and but that's not really relevant now. Like, yeah. there's nothing saying we shouldn't and we can't do it now. So, damn it, we're doing it, <laughs> right? And and you know, so. And I, what I like about our young people today is that they're so innovative and creative. That's why we recruit them. We don't recruit them, you know, because they can run fast or jump high or jump out of an airplane or whatever. You know, they're smart and they're innovative and creative and intuitive. And and so why not allow them to use this skill that that they bring to the table instead of saying, I know you've been using these fancy computers and stuff since you were three, but now you come in the Air Force and just take this floppy disk and <laughs> shut up and do what we tell you to do. Like, what? Um, oh. So, yeah. You're 100% right because we actually have 
when we went to Spark X, there was an airman that invented a whole new wrench. A wrench. And can change tires quicker. Yeah, I saw that. Those yeah. guys are amazing. That's I, amazing. I saw that when I was in. I used to. That was one thing living on base. I used to go over to the to the thing. I played some games with them, and I watched. And I think I even had my face. Did you 3D, 3D printed, printed or something like oh that? Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, <laughs> we those guys about are. Earlier. They're amazing. They're yeah. really amazing. Uh, they're yeah. doing some really incredible stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, this this airman and we this we actually interviewed. Um, yes, with the superintendent. But yeah, and now he gets it. It's going to be um, uh, patent. patented, mm-hmm. and wow. he gets yeah. to share that with the Air Force, so he's going to get paid for this wrench that he made, yep. which, I mean, yeah, they blow my mind. They so. do. They're the future. They're going to be our future leaders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, my goodness. Super cheesy that I said that. No. Forget that. I edit that it. out, Erica. No. <laughs> I don't do the editing. <laughs> no, you're right. No, I don't think that's cheesy at all. They are our future leaders. And, you know, what's most important is that we got to let them make mistakes. We got to let them try stuff and fail and and see what it's like and see what it feels like to be disappointed, but get back up and, mm-hmm. you know, which we don't do a good enough job, I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so um, another question about what is the thing that you were most proud about in your Air Force career? Because we're going to get to what you're most proud about in your current career. Yeah. I was, I'm most proud of, you know, uh, Erica mentioned earlier that, and you, you mentioned that, you know, she just came up and started talking like I was just some regular guy. Like I'm most proud that um, I was able to make connections with people on a very human basis. You know, I have friends that are E1, E2, all the way up to four-star general. And I'm, I'm proud that I had an opportunity to help a lot of them individually. You know, I, I like that we did programmatic stuff, changes that affected the whole force. But I, but I think I'm most proud of, you know, there are certain young airmen that sometimes I help them with, you know, something very um, substantive. And sometimes it was just being there as they were trying to battle cancer or, you know, had a suicide attempt that they had my personal cell phone and they would reach out to me and I would reach out to them. And, and we ended up losing, losing two of them, which was really, really sad. It was probably one of the hardest things that I dealt with uh, during my time. But, but I'm, I'm just proud that, you know, we were able to establish and build relationships with people. Um, and, and, you know, People were always respectful and called me chief and all that type of stuff. But I felt like we were friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I became friends with just so many people on a and uh I think that's that's way more important than what rank you achieve and what program or what policy or, you know, how many likes you get on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh building those human connections I think mm-hmm. was was pretty powerful, you know. I agree. I do too. Um, well, if we, if you don't mind a little bit of a deep question, um, so we, um, you know, we are, we always knew how amazing you were. Um, but me more recently (laughs) than maybe (laughs) you wrote an essay after the murder of George Floyd and that, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little overclamped just thinking about, but, um, that's, I, I didn't think my respect for you could grow any deeper. Um, but that was amazing and and brave. Yes. Yeah. And the, I mean, you must have felt a little fear of putting that out there. Um, well, 
I don't know if it was brave, <clears throat> um, but I didn't feel any fear. Um, one of my favorite authors and activists is a guy by the name of James Baldwin. And um, in the in the late 50s and early 60s, you know, he he, he was an advocate for, you know, um, race relations and whatnot. And one of the things that he says, one of the most powerful things I think I've ever heard was, sometimes you have to sing off key in order for your voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I thought it's time for me to sing off key, right? I know what the Air Force's official stance is, and to be honest, and I was part of that Air Force, so I'm, I'm judging myself, it was pretty weak. Um, I felt, um, one, um, some young African-American males were asking me, hey, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And why is the Air Force not spoken out about this? And so I just woke up one morning, and within about 25, maybe 30 minutes, it was it was written. And um, I sent it to my PA person, and I said, hey, I, I want to publish this today. And I don't want you to change anything unless I misspell or make some grammatical errors. But every word is placed the way I want it to be placed, right? So, and he came, he had a few suggestions. I'm like, hey, man, what, like, what part of that didn't you understand? <laughs> and uh, then I sent it to my boss and said, hey, I'm going to release this. And I'm not asking for permission. I just wanted to give you a heads up. And he said, yeah, man, I got it. He sent it to a few retired black general officers Mm -hmm. and a few of them came back and said you should change this now i didn't say to them hey what part didn't you (laughs) understand but i said yeah thanks but no thanks right because here's what i think is important for people to to hear and right before this was the crazy part you know we released it at about three o'clock at about 2 30 we get a message saying hey to the uh, Secretary of Defense said nobody should speak about this. Yeah, too, uh, too late. Yeah. All right, let's go. Like, let's go. Like, Thank I don't goodness. Right. Now, this is the interesting part. I, I had three, maybe four months left mm-hmm. when, when this happened. I often ask myself, what if I would have had three or four months in? What if I had just been in the job for three or four months? Would I have made the same decision to go against the grain to to speak out? And and honestly, I don't know how. I don't know if I can answer that question. I don't know what I would have done. Um, but I think if I would have been compelled the same way that I was, I would have done the same thing. And and if I would have got fired, and I didn't have near as much. You know, one of the things that made me like empowered me was like man I got a lot of credibility like with the force like if I get fired then like people might like I think some people gonna support me like right I mean they might like get mad and and whatnot so yeah boom Mm. well three or four months in I didn't you know I wasn't enlisted Jesus I didn't have like the same credibility but I think I would have still done the 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 same thing and the feedback was overwhelmingly positive but there was some people who didn't like what I said. There were some people who kind of missed the forest for the trees. You know, they keyed in on certain aspects and said, oh, you can't be like Michael Brown because he was a thug and all this other stuff. And mm-hmm. um, and there were just two people that I had to give a piece of my mind. Um, if I could be a fly on that wall. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> it was ugly. And, 
Oh my goodness. But you said what needed to be said at that time to be that figure. Yeah. So important. For a major part so of many. the Air Force. Yeah. I mean, so many. And, and I think, you know, what it triggered was additional responses from the Department of Defense and, and other people. And it got a lot of attention. So, and um, we we got calls from CNN, all the major networks. Hey, we want Chief Wright to come on our show and talk about this. And I turned them all down just because even though I thought it was important, I, I, I kind of felt like I said what I said. I started you know, the chain of events that got other people speaking. But I didn't want to become like the face of the military for, you know, you know, saying this and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I still get a, just like, you know, that, that, that question you just asked, I get a lot of people saying thank you and referring to that and, and asking me to come and speak to different groups uh, specifically about that, that topic. Absolutely. And and just to, you know, real quick, the meat of it was, hey, man, this is tough society, and people might see me as the chief master in the Air Force, but when it all comes down to it, I'm just another black guy, like these young black men that were being murdered or what have you. I still get scared um, when I drive up and down the Beltway and see policemen. I still wonder what might happen to me when— um, I get stopped by a, a policeman, and I have two young sons, 19 and 24 years old, that I have to talk to about, you know, um, this. And, and it's not as easy of a conversation as people think, right? People think, yeah, if you just tell them to be nice and be respectful, then they'll, they'll be fine. It's like, no, that's like, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a really tough conversation, but I think it's an important one that we all should be willing to have. Uh, and then there's lots of other branches to the conversation, right? Um, women's rights and transgender, LGBTQ and religious, you know, liberties. There's lots of other branches that people are just so afraid to to talk about and be honest, you know, about. And I just wanted to, you know, open up the dialogue. And yeah, you know. well, it was amazing. So yeah. thank you, sir. It was amazing. Uh, well, this is kind of on the same, but um, uh, switching gears a little bit. Uh, so you are on. Season four of your podcast, mm-hmm. you have had Gary Sinise, uh, uh, but our favorite, which yeah. when we said when we sent you our questions ahead of time, this wasn't a question, but Brene Brown. Brene Brown. I watched your huge fans. Your uh, interview with her, I think three times, <laughs> and you guys get into it. Yeah. Uh, but how did that come about? So. You know, I've had three iterations of podcasts. So I started off with the Blueprint Leadership when I was a chief master in the Air Force, just mostly talking to military leaders. And then when, when the pandemic hit, we transitioned the Blueprint to the New Normal podcast, where we kind of focused on, wow, it's a pandemic, we're working from home, this is hard. And and, and then when I became the CEO of Air Force Aid Society, you know, that's like a whole different thing, but that's the current current podcast. So Brene Brown was when I had a I had a wonderful uh, she was actually my event planner. Uh, her name is Jamie, uh, Jamie Freeman. And she was a she's a, uh, a reservist and she's a chief now. She works for Joan Scobie, <clears throat> but she was amazing because she was fearless she would just call anybody, Colin Powell, Brene Brown, Alex T, Emmett Smith, everybody, Malcolm Gladwell. She just cold call them and be like, hey, you need to be on this guy's podcast because this, this is that. And people would be like, yeah, okay. And so that's how we got Brene Brown. She just like 
did the research, cold called, and next probably thing you probably read know, your essay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, so that's how it came about. But man, I I'd, I'd seen um, Brene Brown. I read uh, a couple of her books. I saw her live at Air Force Academy one time, and um, I was just so impressed. I got a chance to kind of you know, fanboy, and <laughs> I was on the side, I was part of this bigger group, and I was, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, yeah, and, you were like us. Yeah. yeah. Was, right. <laughs> we're the same. Yes. And, man, but when I got her on, you saw how quickly she just was like, ladies, let's, let's get to it. Like, mm-hmm. she dove bullshit, right in. Right, she dove right in. And that's what I like about it. That's what I like about her work is that, you know, she's she's very, not in a, not in a, she's never rude or anything, but she is raw. Oh, she's yeah. very real and she tells it like it is and she says what needs to be said and she doesn't pull punches or cut corners and, and that's she's very honest about her own yeah uh shortcomings which yeah is yeah and so she just she's amazing she's a she's a role model um for me and uh, i hope i get a chance to to talk to her again you know absolutely we were thinking yeah, sh- Can we sh- get a chance to talk to her? Yeah, I'm <laughs> if she's listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, I am dying to hear about your book. I Me know too. you just kind of mentioned it in the beginning. I had but no I idea just, you were writing a book that was not on the Wikipedia page. It wasn't on the page. Yeah, yeah. I'll so, it. so I'm in the very beginning state. I've been thinking about it. You know, I didn't want to rush to it. Um, I was, I wanted to spend some time in my first year. You know, um, with Air Force Aid Society, and and I got a few other things that that I do. Um, but I finally decided, okay, let's, let's do it. And it's really, I haven't settled on a title just, just yet, but, uh, what I want to write about are the burdens of leadership, like the challenges, the hard things of leadership, like making tough decisions and writing that letter and dealing with difficult people and, um, you know, the whole lonely at the top, which I think is a myth, but, um, and so I just want to address, you know, how hard it is to be a leader, but what what we can do uh, to navigate those those challenges. And so one of the one of the, you know, um, the title that's been popping in my head is heavy is the head oh, uh, like from, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Right. And yeah. And uh, so, like I said, I'm in the beginning stages of talking with a publisher. I'm going to a, a book writing workshop in a three-day workshop down in Austin, Texas in January, kind of to kick off the process. And and so, yeah, sometime next year. That is um, so exciting. I'll put in my pre-order now. I know. Can, can I put pre-order? it in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and not, uh, I really like, I really like Heavy is the Head, but um, can I throw a, a, a suggestion yeah. out there? Sure, yeah. Writing the wrongs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. W R I G H T. All right, that's a little God. bit of a dad joke, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my! Goodness. So a three-day writing seminar uh, in January, and then so you, you you've drafted. I mean, where are you in the stage? No, no. So like I said, it's it's the book is just mostly in my head right now, okay. and mm-hmm. in the thousand you know notebooks that I've you know accumulated over the years. Um, but the way it works with this particular publishing company is um you know they send you to this this seminar uh, but prior to that they give you some templates and ask you to f- 
form an outline, mm-hmm. right, to, to start thinking about what it's about and what the chapters and all this other stuff. And then it, during the, the seminar, they help you refine it mm-hmm. into, you know, what a book might look like. And, and then they send you off on your way and you get a coach and you get advice and you get weekly, you know, uh, meetings with other writers and, and coaches. Um, and they, you know, ask you to commit to writing you know, 250 or 500 or 1,000 words a day and, and, and whatnot. Um, that is so, so I'm, so I'm kind of looking intense. forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be intense, but um, it's going to be better than me just sitting on my back porch trying to figure out, like, oh, okay, what? <laughs> like, no, no, no. Because, you know, that's how I write. When I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm writing um, something, I'll type it out. And instead of just, you know, I watched this, this um, movie a long time ago. I think it's called Finding Forrester. And one of the things I always remember, you know, he was encouraging, Sean Connery was encouraging this young man. He said, the key to writing is to just write. And he was basically saying, you know, just write, just, you know, and then you can fix it all later. Well, I'm, I kind of edit during the process, right? I'll write something, and then, nah, that's not right. I just delete the whole thing. Nah, 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 nah. You know, an hour later, I got like two sentences because I'm trying to make it make yeah. it perfect. So I think this will be good. This will be good for me in terms of how how the process goes. And it'll be good to get those thoughts on paper. I don't yes. know about you, but oh, there's nothing better. I love writing. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. So I, uh, what would, let's see, Senior Airman Wright think about you today? He'd probably think, no way, man. <laughs> he'd probably think, like, get the heck out of here. You know, he, he, he'd, he'd probably look and say, I would have never thunk it. Really? You were such a jerk. You were such a, a menace to society when you were young. You was, you were always in so much trouble, right? You had no direction, no discipline. Like how, dude? Like how? Mm-hmm. That's what he'd be saying. Be <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, uh, chief master sergeant in the air force, podcaster, f- uh, future author, air force aid CEO. Uh, yes, yeah, CEO of Air Force Aid Society. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I don't think so. Yeah, no, he'd be like, there's no way, you know, and that's why, you know, I I was somewhat of a dreamer when I was when I was young, but I never dreamed that I could be, you know, what I became. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when you asked me earlier, I think it's important to encourage young people, man, just like like. Nobody would have ever guessed, not just me, but I was a dental tech, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody would have ever guessed, nobody, that I would have became the chief master of the Air Force. Do you still have friends you know? from the, back in those days? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they yeah. still don't believe it? They, they, <laughs> they believe it. <laughs> and they just like, man, how did that happen? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we kind of do it to each other, right? Yeah. Because some of them went on and they did other great things. And uh, I got one friend who he got commissioned, and, and now he's a, he's a colonel. And every time we see each other, I say, there's no way. I, like, how did you become a colonel? He said, how did you become chief master of the Air Force? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, is there anything else that you want to share with the Joint Base Andrews community or Air Force community at large? Yeah. I, I right? hope the whole Air Force is not going to listen to this. but They might, yeah. Oh, no, they are. Um, well, I just want to say thank you uh, to you guys. I want to say thank you to... Uh, the Air Force and all the families, airmen and their families that supported me when I was in and that support the Air Force Aid Society. 
now like we really really appreciate it um we're always listening we always want to know how we can uh do better how we can be better how we can better take care of airmen and air airmen now and i and i failed to kind of maybe talk about one of the new things is airmen guardians because we support the space force as well now so um, airmen guardians and their families i just am really appreciative of all of the support i'm really appreciative of the readiness centers and the caseworkers like you guys (laughs) who take such good care of us and take such good care of our our airmen and we're going to get you out of that check business soon enough yeah Yeah, i will definitely be using your nickname on that day (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but uh yeah and it's you know again i had a great career it's been um very exciting though um as a civilian Mm -hmm. and uh, getting to do the things that i love and still take care of people i get to play a lot of golf i drink a lot of scotch and bourbon but not in like (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm Not an alcoholic, right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I smoke a lot of good cigars. And oh. I'm in my happy place. You're in your happy place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I can't believe that we're coming to an end already. I know. I know. Can you stay? Can you stay for the rest of the day? Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely can. There's room. <laughs> uh, but we end every podcast with what was your hooray for the week? Ooh. My hooray for the week. Um, I would say my hooray for the week was that, you know, every day this week, man, I was able to open my eyes and I have my health. I have my strength. I'm still ambitious. I got a great group of people that I've surrounded myself with. I work with a great team of professionals. Life is good. Yeah. I love that. I know, yeah. Too. Well, this is my hurry. I was about to say that. There's <laughs> no getting better than this this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. We cannot thank you, thank you enough for being here. Um, this was just illuminating and just wonderful. And, uh, yeah, we are excited to see what you do next. And we are excited to pre-order that book yes. yeah thank you guys i <laughs> really appreciate it i had a great time oh. well thank you well thank you everyone for tuning yes. in we uh hope you enjoyed and as always thank, thank you for your support, your support.